Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. I'm Rob Schulte with Graham Young, and there's something to Scientology. There's just something about it. You know, <laughs> Tom has been releasing some videos of himself doing insane things at, at 60 years of age. Oh, do, does it get any older in Hollywood? Well, you know, when you think of all of the great artist stunt people, right? Uh, Buster Keaton, John Paul Belmondo, Jackie Chan, oh. Zoe Bell, and now Tom Cruise from the U.S. of A. Wow. Did you ever think it was going to happen? I That guy ripping out his fake tooth in uh, The Outsiders to make that rumble seem all the more real. Wow. You know, it's so weird because for decades he surprised us. And I hate to be that guy who just is like, oh, my God, Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise. But, um, yeah, what a what a what a crazy life. Oh yeah. And you know, seeing him jump out of planes, seeing him do all these things, maybe there is something to Scientology. There could and be. Rob, I'll get back to you about my new year's resolution. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Listeners, as you know, we, uh, we record these in the past, not in the future. So I bet you can guess when we recorded this episode. Now, Graham, I'm working on the technology to record podcasts in the future, but first I have to perfect the technology on editing a podcast in the future. So I just never have to do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's something about it. I, the one final Tom Cruise outsiders little tidbit here. Um, in a in a different part of my life, I get to hear tidbits from movies from the '80s and uh, uh, people who might have worked with Tom Cruise in the past. And boy, was Tom Cruise always Tom Cruise like. So, you know, there's the the notorious outsiders, Francis Ford Coppola stories about like auditions, what happened when they, you know, would go stay on location and stuff. And apparently everyone like teamed up in rooms, right? Like everyone, all the guys had like a scene partner and they all shared hotel rooms. And apparently when Tom found out that he had, he was, they were not 30 seconds into the hotel that he wasn't on the phone with his agent going, they have me sharing a room. And he's like 18 years old at most. And that is yeah. just, I mean, that's professionalism. Tom has been in command for so long. And look, we need to get into horror films. This isn't the Tom Cruise True. podcast. True. But Rob, can you guess who the one director that Tom Cruise has never worked with hmm. that I think would be a match made in heaven. Hasn't worked with. He's worked with PTA. I'll give he... you a hint. They both love stunts. Oh, wow. Um, Quentin Tarantino. That's was that I thought. Yeah, I thought that I had to have been a trick question, you know? Yeah. So I think that it's about time and if Quentin's going to do this 10th movie, which, you know, do it 11th, 12th, and 13th. Yeah. You know, and don't Tom Cruise don't in Star Trek. Let's just, yeah. Yeah. But, okay. So I don't think the Star Trek thing's happening. <laughs> no, but if Tom Cruise was in Quentin Tarantino's Star Trek, that would be freaking awesome. Um, but those two seem like 
their enthusiasm and their passion for movies and filmmaking. You want to take this to 10. I want to take it to 12. Let's do this. Yeah. I just feel that um, Quentin Tarantino and Tom Cruise would be uh, like, like just like nitroglycerin. Like you better not shake it because it's going to blow up in your hand. It would end movies. Like they may stop making movies because they're like, no one's ever going to top this. Yeah. And say what you will about your favorite up and coming director. I mean, whatever. We're not saying anything anyone doesn't know, but that would be wild. Um, just like today's film, Graham. So yeah. you chose Barbarian, which I had not seen. You had seen. And uh, I'm always thrilled to watch a Graham pick. That's why we've done the podcast this way. I heard the hype. People had suggested it. It somehow just didn't make it into the watching. You know, I've had to watch all the Predator films. I've had to watch many other things like Garfield's Thanksgiving. But finally, I was able to watch Barbarian. Yes, I enjoyed it. Can I tell you something, though? And, well, you know what? First of all, let me just read the, like... IMDb, this is what IMDb says about it, if anyone is too afraid to watch or anything like that. A woman staying at an Airbnb discovers that the house she has rented is not what it seems. Okay, perfect. I remember seeing this trailer in theaters. Was it before Top Gun Maverick? No, maybe not. I don't know. But I was hooked by the trailer. You know, it seems like a good you know, idea. The trailer is pretty much just that, you know, I've shown up at the Airbnb. There's someone else here. Trouble ensues. Right. But as the trailers went on and once you started getting trailers on television for this movie, it is a audience reaction, night vision camera trailer. And I'm, Oh really? I, I always get a little like, Uh, raise my, I get a hairy eyebrow when I get a night vision camera audience reaction trailer to a horror movie because it feels like it's the scariest thing you've ever, they they can't even believe it passed the censors, you know? Well, and they can't even show you any of the film because it could give something away, which is something that we're going to have to tiptoe around in this review. In fact, um, I think we should be fair that if people are like blanket statement going into phase two of this podcast that like watch the movie first. Like if you're listening to the podcast on the movie, it's because you've actively chosen to make this decision. So things get spoiled, you know? Well, and if you're a crazy maniac that's in your car following us on this Greyhound bus, (laughs) You know, um, watch the film and then and then in, uh, we invite you to uh, discuss it with us. I wish you were here to discuss it with us. Oh, but yes. Just just sort of go on this journey with us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had uh, unlimited Greyhound bus tickets. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they're hand signed. It's like the end of uh, Salem's Lot when that priest tries to leave and she just signs the bus ticket for him. So I just finished reading Salem's lot. So, um, Oh, nice. If I could just say something real quick, please. When I was watching barbarian, I thought of two people, Ooh, Wes Craven. And I thought of Stephen King. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that is, this feels like from the mind of both. Sure. It just seems inventive. Yes. And you pointed this out last episode. It's written and directed by Zach Krager, who's from the Widest Kids You Know sketch group. And I'm not the first person to say this, but horror and comedy, like horror, writing something scary and writing a joke is essentially the same math. You're getting, you know, base reactions. Out of that too. They're sad. Yeah. They're, they're scared. They're laughing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're, you're pulling no punches. Well, and you're subverting expectations. Now, this ain't the Bride of Frankenstein. It's not just like, hey, here's a creepy thing, and it's somehow tied to things we're familiar with. You know, this is like, you can't, I mean, they're continuing to do Scream, but now it's Scream on a subway. So, who knows? It's Scream in Manhattan, Yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, because, like, uh, um, they released the poster for it, uh -huh. and uh, it's Scream, it's the Scream ghost on all of the video monitor, or the- In Times Square? Monitors. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and the little teaser trailer they have is like Halloween in New York and like multiple people are wearing a ghost face thing on the subway. And yeah, anyway, I would like to touch base on that when it comes same, out and just, same. and just compare it to Friday the 13th, uh, Jason takes Manhattan. That would be a great episode. Maybe that's a two monther, right? That, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. And, um, I would laugh my ass off. If the screen ghost is on a boat for two thirds of the movie. Yeah, that would be great. I think <laughs> that, honestly, you just follow the exact same model as uh, I Jason hope they do that. Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah. Or, awesome. you know, maybe the update is that they just, <laughs> it's just the whole movie takes place on the subway and then they end at Times Square and they come out. It's like so yeah, changing it's just it. an average ride yeah. in the subway. And that's terrifying. It is. You know what? When we cover that episode, I'll tell my scariest subway stories from my times in New York. We're watching oh, Barbarian. Yes, that'd be awesome. We watched Barbarian. Hey there. Have you ever watched a movie or TV show you're certain no one else enjoys? Is there a movie franchise that, despite some lackluster elements, you must consume it in its entirety? Are you tired of folks taking silly media just a little too seriously with their negative reviews? Then you've found the right podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, part of the Bridgeburner Podcast Collective. Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects uh -oh. to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a Bridge Burner podcast. 
Graham, what did you know about the movie going into it? Did you know anything of the story? Well, it's so funny because like you were talking about the trailer. I didn't even watch the trailer. I mm. just had some friends that said it's really good. It's on HBO Max. Check it out. And I did. And uh, honestly, I wish I would have seen it in the theaters. We've gone in the past and I thought it'd be interesting to look at a very contemporary horror film with very uh, contemporary themes. There's a lot going on with this movie. And I remember maybe uh, this was in our super secret writers group. I hate to even bring it up. Hey, that's all you need to say. That's all you, I'm all I'm going to say. But when we talk about horror films and like what you want to write about, like what scares you? And it seems like Zach Kreger has all the bad things that can happen happen to you when you walk out of your front door in 2022 like if you fall down it's nose first you know no one's really there to grab you so you know rob we grew up i grew up in very rural america uh, kansas mm -hmm. america you grew up in kansas we're not uh, but I grew up just real quick. Sorry. You grew yeah. up in rural Kansas. I grew up in more suburban, but small town, Missouri. So gotcha. it took many, 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 many years for me to really understand how the world works. And I don't know about you, but it took. Oh, yeah. Moving to a different city, you know, like moving more than an hour away from my hometown. Yeah, where you grew up or where you graduated high school from, uh, they don't really prepare you for life outside a city or a town that big. Well, and especially so when the majority of people don't leave, you know. Yeah. So what preparation could there be? You know, it, like exactly. And then you're like, figure it out, and you're like, oh my god, I'm in this huge city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so. We're both not unfamiliar with ghost towns mm -hmm. or the concept of a ghost town. You know, small town, rural America, or just outside a big city that sort of just peters away. Yes. Well, where we're at in America right now is that we have a ghost city <sighs> and or major parts of one of America's great cities, Detroit is you know just a lot of a lot of that is just a ghost town yeah and um what zach Kreger has done and again we're sort of getting into the meat of the movie but it's very realistic that a monster in the basement could exist in detroit because no one would know yeah you know um and that's frightening. It's fright. It's it's sort of a, you know, an examination of American culture and where we're at right now. Um, but it's also a beautiful place to build a horror film. Oh, absolutely. And you know, supernatural elements are like you know the 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 things you want to put aside into like, well, how does that work necessarily? Doesn't really matter because the idea here is that something has been able to grow and live and take over and prosper in this ghost city without 
A, anyone really noticing or actually raising attention or any sort of authority figures giving a single shit. Yeah. And the reality of it, Rob, is that this happened in the early 90s in Milwaukee with a, a monster in an apartment, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. who got away with this killing and all this stuff in you know Milwaukee, which isn't a ghost town. So no. you don't even need a ghost town. But if you got one, that means all bets are off. Yeah. And you better have a friend nearby that can pick you up if things get crazy. Yeah, 100%. Um, so we, you know, we follow Tess for the first part of this movie, uh, Georgina Campbell's character, right? Um, One of the strongest performances of the year. Oh, yeah. She gets to this Airbnb, right? And she's having this conversation with Keith, played by Pennywise, Bill Skarsgård. And yes. You know, after you get through the initial, like, uncomfortability of who is this guy? Okay, he can be trusted. They're having a conversation, you know. Um, it really shocked me that the conversation she has with Keith really maps out the movie where she says, you know, I have to climb through the shit or whatever it is. And she's like, and you can just, like, bust down the door. And got or guys generally can just like shoot up the place. I don't remember the word she used, but she says they can essentially come in like a fucking battering ram where she has to like navigate. And that plays out, especially once we meet Justin Long's character. Yeah. And as a male audience member watching the movie through her perspective, it's eye opening. Um, oh, yeah. And um, there's a scene, Rob. Uh, in the first act. And I'll just say that um, after the first act, the movie kind of resets itself mm -hmm. and then goes forward. Um, but in the first act, there was a scene with a the opening of a wine bottle. And um, I was thinking like Zach Krager obviously comes from comedy, but like if Larry David had written a horror film it's very situational horror instead <laughs> of situational comedy yeah yeah you know where you sort of automatically look at the worst case scenario and you can kind of go ha 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 laugh at, at laugh at the situation but at the end of the day it's scary as fuck yeah yeah he makes the tea for her and then she doesn't drink it. And then he's like, well, because I noticed you don't make the tea. He's like, I'm not going to open the wine and then I'm not going to do this. And then it's like, oh yeah. I mean, like, quite frankly, I watched this with my partner who we refer to on podcasts as Mrs. Columbo. And Oh, Miss Columbo. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Columbo. Yeah. And uh, I'm really glad she did watch this movie with me because we got to have a dialogue about it afterwards, you know, and during. And I always get some good commentary from Mrs. Columbo when we watch movies together, especially on the horror variety. Um, she doesn't like horror movies, but this movie had so much buzz that she was like, you know, Graham chose it. I know he knows movies. Let's watch it together. Let's watch it. Not at night. So we yeah. waited and we, <laughs> and we watched it the next day. And even, you know, I just found it. I mean, I'm not, 
there's nothing special about what I'm about to say, but I did find it interesting that we were both kind of like the reason at first we think Keith is bad is not because he's the person who opens the door. It's because we've been following Tess the first five minutes. It reminded me that like how much trust you put into the first person you meet in a movie without any knowledge at all. You just are following that person. So right before the end of the first act, when Keith meets his maker, meets his mama, uh, yeah, it's like, holy shit, Keith just was trying to help and fucking ate it. It's so well done, and the, and the tension is there. And as far as Bill Skarsgård goes, um, the Skarsgård dynasty is going strong. Mm. Uh, because that lineage is insane. And um, I, I'm honestly not that familiar with his filmography, but after watching Barbarian, I want to be. I mean, yeah, um, he has such a presence uh, on screen. Uh, not only like he has an interesting face, but just uh, the way he um, sort of goes about this character. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, Georgina Campbell is unbelievable in this. And then the movie restarts. And who do we get now, Rob? Justin Long, which I had no idea he was in the movie until you told me. It kept yeah. it kept like a hundred percent out of every trailer I saw, which is probably on purpose, you know. Yeah. Um. Again, just sort of a you know a casual fan uh, of Justin Long, um. But I have to say, um, that I think this is an actor who's capable of a lot because I see a lot of range mm-hmm. in his performance. And this is a really complicated uh, character. And um, there's a scene sort of late in the movie um, where he's sort of asking himself, you know, uh, you know, am I, am I a bad person? You know, I, you know, look, I, I know I'm not perfect. I didn't do this. I didn't. And he's just rationalizing. Yeah. And then, of course, we see who he is yeah. at the end of the movie. Um, but as far as sort of this um, under like secondary protagonist, yeah. um, he's almost like Paul Reiser in Aliens. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. You know, yes. where he's just so slimy that, you know, the actors inc- and too much Paul- confidence, too much confidence. Right. Yeah. Right. And, well, the thing is, I'm sure Paul Reiser and Justin Long are incredibly nice, cool, calm people. Sure. In real life. But my God, did they sell the creepy? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like almost feels like you're starting over completely. And you see. Justin Long driving around in his car, singing to his tunes. And it's just like, well, this guy seems like he's having a great time. And then ultimately, you know, we get this phone call where he's getting fired and like there's allegations against him. And you're like, whoa, like I because and the way he handles it, because uh, there there's an accusation and then 
the audience is left to determine whether or not they believe that through AJ's actions yep. and the way he reacts to this. And that's where the magic happens. He is more concerned that he's losing his job than anything else. And the life, you know, the lifestyle. Yep. And then he has to humble himself and go back to uh, Detroit and hang out with the peasants. And after a, a conversation with a friend at a bar, we know kind of exactly who he is. Yep. But you don't like him, but you don't outright hate him. Yeah. And there's a lot of nuance in his to. character. He, it, you're given this like, yeah, you're a fucking creep. Your life is ruined. So there's that little bit of like, well, sucks to be you, but you're like watching someone like crumble, which doesn't mean you like a person, but it's like tough to watch someone crumble, right? It's tough yeah. to see Keith die at the beginning, right? Different things. But um, the thing is, he doesn't give us anything like the more we learn about him to dislike him anything that might pull us back is like half of what we've gotten to dislike him so he's never gonna make it back up it's it's the magic of mr long's acting in the sense that kind of almost what you can compare it to is like harvey Cattell in the bad lieutenant mm. look you know He's a horrible person, but we do care yeah. somewhat for this person. And that takes a special kind of actor that can do that. What I think AJ is accused of is, you know, disgusting and abhorrent, but we never get a, you know, a clear, yes, I did this. No, I did this, you know, until he still, he really starts to question himself. And I think, again, you know, I'm not trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm just trying to say it's a really interesting character. That well, it keeps your mind into. moving the entire film. Yeah. And as we're starting to learn more about Justin Long, we get this like flashback towards the beginning of the third act that we're like, now what's going on here? You know, and yeah, we meet another, another hard reset. Yeah. There's one thing before we get too much further and, and start capping this one. Um, the, I don't want to say I dislike what I'm about to say, okay. but it's it's always something that's difficult with me. And most of the time, and, and this is, once again, not original to me. It's it's a thing that happens in most every horror film, right? You know, they, they joke about it in the first scream. It's like, why do they run up the stairs instead of running out the front door? I have a hard time understanding why... A, Tess didn't get in her car and just drive somewhere else, even if it's late at night. Now, benefit of the doubt, who knows? It could be 3 a.m., right? I don't know. Very, very tired. She's driving. But then when the she finds the door in the basement, why are you going in that door? Yeah. Why the dank pit? Even if you do hear Keith screaming. I mean, the Keith screaming, I can kind of someone's yelling for help, right? And it doesn't sound like there's anything else. Like you would think Keith may run and may yell like, go get help or there's a monster yeah. down here. And he didn't yell that. So 
it's hard for me. And part of it, I go back and forth and I, I wafer on it a bit because like, that's part of the fun of horror movies, right? Like being able to say like, don't go in that room. Don't do that. You know, but if I can suspend my disbelief an ounce, then I'm like, okay, I'm all in, but I have to suspend it because I, I just don't know why you would go in that hallway. <laughs> you know? Um, I have an answer. Oh, please. Because I had the same reaction. Why the fuck are you doing this? And I think Tess is a better person than you than the average audience member. Yeah. I I think that she's just a genuinely good person and that's where the character shines through and yeah uh you know i i'm right there with you i would have ran yeah well she and the keith have. and the keith one i get right you she shows what a good person she is when she hears keith down there right mm -hmm. i'm gonna help him before keith gets there and she's locked in the basement like and she finds that little pull door, I would be like, no, I am blocking this door. Yeah. I am at an Airbnb. Someone's coming in this house and I am not going to be here when they do that. Or if you're going to be like a hero, like go to like the gun store and load up yeah. and then like be Rambo. Yeah. To be fair, she is locked in the basement at the point when she finds it. So that is true. Yes. Um, and at that point it's kind of like, well, if I'm fucking stuck down here and I'm discovering a door, I should probably make sure that I'm safe. either way. It's one of those things. that's like, it, it generates discussion and that's better than like nothing at all for a film. Yeah. And you know, at least half the horror films we watch, <laughs> it's almost that, you know, we're saying to ourselves, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that character? Yeah. yeah. Why are you going up the stairs character? Yeah. And that's what horror films are all about for us to scream at those stupid characters and say, my God, what are you doing? I am so much better than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also like, these are out there scenarios. Yeah, of course I wouldn't do that because I know I'm watching a horror movie. Dude, I remember um, we were walking through this abandoned haunted house in... Uh, I've kept this story private for so long and now I'm telling it on a podcast. Hey, well, you can, gonna... you can redact whatever you need. Well, so I'm in this haunted... Uh, abandoned house in Salina, Kansas. Hmm. And I hear a noise and with some college friends, uh, cause I, my, my first year I went to Fort Hayes and then transferred to KU. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm with some friends and I got scared and I ran out of the house and I ran right into a telephone pole. Oh, Just right, right. In like I would have been the first one killed had this been a Friday the 13th movie. First one. Oh yeah. I'm out. Oh I'm yeah. Done. I, I'm the first kill. Or the final guy, because you got the <laughs> hell out of there. <laughs> because I passed out and the and the the murderer just like totally forgot about me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I must have already killed this one.
Graham, there's so much that we can get to in this, but I do recommend everyone just watch the film because we're doing some very broad swaths with what we're discussing here. But yeah, as we were talking about into act three, it resets again where we get a flashback and I don't want to derail us too much, but I do want to say that when we get this flashback to the eighties, right? We meet uh, Frank played by Richard Brake and his neighbor, Doug played by Kurt Braun Owler. Little fun tidbit. Kurt, who plays Doug, I produced an audiobook written by Mike Sachs under a pseudonym, Skippy Batty Battison, and the pseudonym was a right-wing conservative uh, memoir, and it's an insane book called Passing on the Right, where it's like this guy who really wanted to be in comedy keeps failing up because... He just falls into the conservative pundit crowd. Oh my God. It's an amazing, amazing book. It's so funny. Mike hired Kurt to be the main character for the cover of the book. So, all of the photos inside, when you flip through the cover of it, everything, it's uh, the neighbor Doug with like a giant cigar and. A big red polo. It's pretty great. Wow, that's a barbarian yeah. Rob Schulte deep yeah. cut. Yeah. Um, I'll send you the book. Yeah. Our do. our friend, our friend Joe from Piloting Error actually is in the middle of that book right now. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. Okay. But anyway, we get this flashback. We meet Frank. Frank is the guy who's living at the barbarian house, right? We find out he's this. Uh, serial killer and essentially has created this monster right and it's terrifying you know it, and and we learn this through this mini flashback but also in like the exploration of the cave underneath the house it's yeah it's wild man and you know i don't want to give away the ending just in case because hopefully this even the spoilers we have given you know, intrigue people enough to go watch the movie. But yeah, you've hinted at this whole time. We finally get this like spot where Justin Long gets to like prove who he is and he shoots himself in the foot. Who he is. Yeah, Yeah. He tells us exactly who he is right after having us get just an inch more faith in him. Oh yeah, man. But Graham, what are your like final thoughts on this? Like, I'm trying to tiptoe around it. Like, I know I'm the guy who's like, well, we should be able to spoil it. But this isn't a recap thing. It's a discussion podcast. The perpetrator trying to convince himself that he's a good person mm-hmm. is probably pretty par for the course. Yeah. And I just feel that that is a really interesting character for lack of a better or more like Shakespearean way of saying it. Sure. I mean, it's, he gets his comeuppance and there's so much more to this movie than just that character too, which is what makes it a great horror movie. Yeah. And for, you know, it's a great contemporary horror film. And, you know, if you're writing horror, what scares you? 
right here and right now? What were the real things that frighten you? Write about it. And Zach Craigers has seemed to uh, have accomplished that. It really is um, a highlight of uh, the 2022 year in film. And um, I have a lot of catching up to do, Rob. But I would say that it that and Nope would be my go-to horror films. Yeah. uh, But there's a lot of catching up to do, so. Same. Yeah, I haven't seen as much as I would like. I enjoyed Nope as well. One quick thought, because this could probably take up a whole episode, but like, is there a little bit of fear in you that Jordan Peele is going to turn out to be kind of M. Night-y? Well, so M. Night... Because he's got a new movie coming out, too. Yeah, I know. Um, for wannabe filmmakers, you don't want to disrespect another filmmaker. Well, and also let me let me actually just yeah, yeah. add a little bit more to this then. Because yeah. I have a feeling if we revisited some early M night now, that we probably would respect it a little bit more than we did during the heyday. Cause sixth sense, people ended up loving. It got a little bit of the zeitgeisty, I see dead people effect, which then made people hate it because it's like pre-internet zeitgeisty, which means you're just getting it on every sitcom ever, uh, you know, years down the line. And then Unbreakable is its own thing, whatever. And then you get, what, Signs and then The Village? (sighs) Signs is the the worst science fiction movie I've ever seen in my life. And there's a lot of reasons for that. That's his third film out. Nope is Jordan's Peele's third film, like Signs. Um, Nope, for me, feels almost like a Spielberg summer event Mm -hmm. with thrills that, yeah, okay, they're not at the Jaws level, but we're kind of getting there. And the way it's photographed, um, it's absolutely beautiful. The the actors, everything shines in that film. And Jordan Peele is now um, in in sort of a Hollywood realm that I think every aspiring auteur or working auteur wants. And that's that people buy tickets for your name alone. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino, Spike Lee, Jordan Peele. But I'm sorry, didn't M. Night have that as well? Well, do you you remember the famous Newsweek? No. Uh, Okay, so it has a picture of M. Night Shyamalan and his arms are crossed and he's looking so <laughs> he's looking so confident. And it says neck the next Spielberg. Oh no. And I don't want to spend an episode ribbing on it's, M. Night Shyamalan. It's not I about have my yeah. with him, but I'm an idiot, so what do I know? But you know, I think it's fair to compare the two, but ultimately you know, you look at a director's second film or third film. And for me, Jordan Peele, like this third film is so strong. Yeah. That um, I'm really looking forward uh, to what he has next. And, you know, again, that's not what like, we were saying about M. Night. 
We weren't looking yeah, forward to after the next signs. One. I was like, I'm done with this guy. Well, and the other thing is, and maybe we can just cap it at this, but like, or maybe we can just end the M night discussion at this. Like, sure. M night didn't have a lot to say in his movies. I think he was more than like the twist or whatever the people like kind of sum him up to. But Jordan Peele has a lot more to say in his movies and there's a lot more nuance with it. And I like that. The American experience um, and the American experience in the 21st century that's and, and no offense to the man, but not from the Jimmy Stewart perspective. Mm-hmm. from the american the american yeah. who's not white yeah. and i don't know um i think there's a real magic to jordan's films um do i think he's the, the best filmmaker out there um no but i'll run to see his films oh yeah you know they're always entertaining and this one um you know he's really swinging for the fences and, you know, there's some beautiful imagery. If you love clouds and sunsets oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, my God. Don't skip out on Nope. Yeah. Uh, Steven Yoon is one of the best actors out there. Oh, so um, good. Kiki Palmer was fucking yes, awesome. Yes, everyone. Yeah, everyone in the movie. Okay, would everyone... We, we've, We're going to kiss everybody's ass. The, and nope. the thing is, is that like Barbarian and Nope are on the same level. Let's just say that if you like one, you're going to like the other. But Graham, how are we deciding our next episode of Pumpkin Spice Podcast? We're going to decide as soon as I find out exactly where our second ticket is at. So oh, hell just yeah. one second. No problem. Yeah, I guess you can keep that in there. Hell um, yes. It's I just a- want to make sure that I have this, this down right. Okay. I've got three tickets today. <gasps> three tickets? We got three tickets. We got our leftover ticket to Dayton, Ohio. Oh, yeah. We can always go to that whenever we want. Okay. So no pressure. Then we got South Central Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So if we want to go to South Central Los Angeles, because kind of one of the bigger places that we go. We've been to Toronto. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And then if you're feeling like going rural... I want to take you to Globe, Arizona. Oh my God. This is like, this is turned into like our road trip season. And I don't yeah. know how this even started, but we're in the Greyhound and we're going. God, well, and here's everybody the thing. in the Greyhound and the Greyhound is fed up with us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to LA, baby. Let's okay. go South Central. Have you seen the 1995 film Tales from the Hood? Yes, I have, but okay. it has been some time. I can't wait to talk to you about this because this is one of the best horror anthologies of the 1990s. David Allen Greer's in this one. David Allen Greer is Clarence Williams the third is sort of our crypt keeper. He's, He's the guy at the house. Yes, Clarence Williams. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, it's it's so fucking awesome it's produced by 40 acres and a mule uh spikes yeah um production company so it's it's a really really again it may be my favorite horror anthology film of the 90s man you know what i remember from tales from the hood watching that at a sleepover with some friends in suburban missouri yeah and just laughing our asses off at the line like 
What's up with refried beans? Why can't they just fry them right the first time? (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. I think Chris Rock came in or maybe they got George Carlin at the time to come in and write some jokes, you know, just real quick. And and that's Uh. from them. But no, um, this is a great film that I cannot wait for us to discuss and uh, rediscover and reevaluate. Definitely. Uh, well then, Graham, uh, you know, if anyone else is excited about this film or has thoughts on others, please leave them in the form of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can support us with the link in the show notes, and I cannot wait to talk to you about this film. I'll see you next time, buddy. All right. Talk to you soon. <laughs>